Hey fellow brain pickers, how would you like to get featured as a guest on multiple podcast shows like this one and get massive exposure? Getfeatured.media will get you featured on targeted shows. They'll design a custom bio page, pitch you to the hosts, schedule a time, prepare you for the shows and promote you so you get even more brand exposure. Head over to getfeatured.media to get major publicity for your brand. Welcome to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast, where successful entrepreneurs get their brains picked so you can apply mindset tricks and game-changing tactics that will help you become unstoppable. Now, here's your host, Daniel Geffen. Hi, fellow brain pickers, and welcome to episode 84 of Can I Pick Your Brain? Today, I have the honor of picking the brain of an international business and success coach, wealth mentor, and inspirational speaker. Vanessa Shaw made the leap from stay-at-home mother to successful entrepreneur. Today, she helps others to replicate her own success through easy-to-implement programs like her six-figure business success system. She has coached hundreds of entrepreneurs, business leaders, and Fortune 500 companies from the United States, Canada, United Kingdom, Australia, France, Switzerland, Czech Republic, and many other countries. As always, I like to introduce my guests with a little rap. So here goes. It takes a lot to impress her. Her name is Vanessa, and if you want to play bigger, you need no one lesser. She won't complicate, fabricate, hesitate, or overestimate. Only motivate and help you navigate your way to your golden gate. If she could do it, you can too. So stop complaining and go and do. What you want in life is yours for the taking. Excuses stop making, stop hesitating. There is no silver bullet or get rich quick. It doesn't happen with just one click, so don't fall for that trick. She's an entrepreneur at the core, and she'll tell you you're destined for more. So what are we all waiting for? for here's the one the only Vanessa Shaw Vanessa welcome to the show and thanks for letting me pick your brain hey Daniel I am delighted to be here and I'm simply enchanted by that rap that was amazing (laughs) get some energy let's hear some energy Vanessa oh my gosh it was great I'm like I was trying to write down a few little things I'm like you're gonna have to send that to me afterwards (laughs) (laughs) I'd love to my first rap intro that is your first rap intro well I, I have to tell you this is my fourth time doing this and every time I do it I feel like crapping my pants but I've decided to, to do it because I'm really looking to push my boundaries, you know, get out of my comfort zone. And, you know, you talk about this a lot, Vanessa, right, with the, uh, this, the glass ceiling and pushing yourself mm-hmm. past that. And so I, tr- I set myself challenges and I say to myself, do you know what, I don't care how I'm going to feel. I'm just going to do it anyway. And eventually that feeling kind of just, it, it kind of goes, goes away, you know, or, or at the very least it kind of goes into the background and you don't really hear it as loud anymore you know it's so true it's so true and good and good for you for just die you know diving in because the truth is is absolutely success is not to be found inside the comfort zone right i know it's it sounds trite and we see all mm-hmm. these quotes over the internet the whole time you know success happens at the beginning of your comfort zone but the truth is that is where it happens we've got to challenge ourselves and that fear is always going to come up and then you just dive in frankly the quicker the better that's my motto mm-hmm. and you can always course correct i mean What's the worst that's going to happen? Right. I mean, one of the things I wanted to ask you, Vanessa, is you're in a space that's very jam-packed with a lot of hot air. 
you know, a lot of empty promises, you know, preying on the, the hopefuls. And I really want to kind of get into how you're different from from the others, number one. And also, um, you know, do people need a success coach? Can they be their own success uh, coach? But before, before we get into that, I kind of want to get to know you a little bit better. And, and also for, for those listening that haven't heard your story or heard your background, um, what is your story? What, like, can you take us back to what it was like growing up? Gosh, we want to go that that far back. Absolutely. <laughs> so we'll we'll go in some bullet points, and then you can pick my brain and sort of get out any of the nuggets that you want. But mm-hmm. um, you know, I just grew up in a very regular household. Um, you know, g- good family background. There's no, I don't, I don't have any major story of major trauma or excitement growing up, and I kind of think that is my story. It's just of a, a normal, average girl who <laughs> had a, a big dream for more. And my parents were professional. My mother was a uh, school teacher, my stepfather, who's been very figural in my life, was the local doctor. And so they were professional and grew up inside of that mentality of, you know, you work hard, um, you're sort of upstanding in the community, you dedicate time to learning and growth and getting qualifications. And uh, if you're lucky, you'll save, make some good decisions along the way and kind of enjoy retirement later <laughs> on in life. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's sort of, you know, the synopsis of it. And I grew up with three brothers as well. I'm actually the only girl with three brothers, two are older than me and one younger. Mm -hmm. And uh, from way back when, Daniel, I just had this desire, which frankly came from nowhere. I mean, it was just innate that I wanted to grow my own business. And I remember this a very, very young age. I think if I'm very honest, it's because I was bossy. (laughs) Um, You know, now they're called assertive leadership skills. But, you know, growing up as a girl, I was told not to be bossy. Um, (laughs) And... um, you know, I wanted to grow a business. I wanted to be independent. And I knew that I wanted to to grow a business that was going to make a difference in people's lives. And I mean, that's way before we even used that type of language. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, then fast forward many years, I found myself, my story is that, again, again, if you look at the background of my parents, you know, they said to me, you need to get some sort of qualifications and aspire to something bigger. Well, they're aspiring for something bigger for me meant going to secretarial college <laughs> and which would have I know which would have meant and you know I mean you've lived you've been in the UK as well you sort of yeah. probably can appreciate that that background and then for me it was but you could be a bilingual secretary and you could be <laughs> a personal assistant to a you know a top executive i.e a guy um, oh. and you know whatever it was back then I could aspire to earning you know 20,000 pounds a year And Mm -hmm. I just remember at the time just thinking there's something wrong with this picture. This just isn't what I want to do. But I just didn't have any other options. Career counselling absolutely sucked when I went to school. Uh, There were no no conversations around what do you really want to do? What are the things you get excited about? What are your passions? You know, it was all looking at sort of your grades and trying to match things up. Mm -hmm. And so ultimately I did go off and study languages, but I, I went for a degree. I went to Bristol. 
I got a degree and it was really one of the best things that I did. I was the first in my family, first woman as well, uh, well, girl, my mother had a degree before me to actually go to, you know, full, uh, full-time university. And that degree in languages took me to the, Uni- the United Nations in Geneva. So it was a really smart move. Um, I, I realized I never really wanted to use those languages per se. I didn't want to be a translator. I didn't want to be an interpreter, but they were really the ticket. I did French uh, and Spanish. They were the ticket to getting me in into the international scene and getting me to the United Nations. Um, you know, the big success, frankly, of that was that I met my now husband and mm-hmm. my, you know, married there. My kids were born there. Um, and that really then started the journey. Once I had broken away and lived abroad, my horizons were just opening up. This was, it starts to open up that, well, if I can do this, if I can go and move in, into a country where I don't know anybody, and I was, you know, 20 three at the time maximum. I think I was just actually 22 when I landed there. Mm -hmm. You know, a few hundred dollars worth in my back pocket and, um, you know, some challenging starts. But once I got my, you know, feet there, that was the place that the seeds were sown of, I want more. If I can do this, what else can I do? And I'm sure we'll get into that in terms of how that translated into the business. But that was kind of like the figural pathway to, you know, kind of age nine through to age 22 of, hmm, perhaps I can do something else. Right. What did your husband do? What was he doing in Geneva? So he'd been there for about 10 years by the time we met and uh, he was already fairly senior in the in the UN. He's actually, uh, I mean, a self-taught techie geek um, <laughs> by sort of background and he was very senior in their sort of IT department, I mean, at that time okay. and then went <clears throat> on to get, you know, diplomatic status and actually wow. did a lot of developmental work and in developing countries and um, latterly was like, the first head of innovation inside of a UN organization. So he was like the head of innovation for the ITU, which is a a telecommunications organization. So the two of you are working in the UN, living in Geneva, which which I guess is a dream for for a lot of people to like, you know, be living in Europe in a foreign country, uh, married with, uh, what was it, two children at the time, right? Yes. So it sounds like almost a picture perfect life. Uh, and then you went and rocked the boat. Like, what? Right? <laughs> yeah. You, you so sold it- everything and decided to move to the US, leaving your husband behind. So can you, let's talk, let's talk <laughs> exactly. about that. <laughs> let's talk about that and f- let's fill in some gaps there as well. So again, we spent, yes. I mean, I basically became a um, stay at home mom. I mean, I was very frustrated in my career. I did work in the UN and there were some, certainly some highlights, but I had quickly worked out that bureaucracy was not the place for me. I just had way too much energy, I mean, really for them. And I could just see all the ways that they were doing things that I thought could be improved upon. Um, So I I supported Robert in his career. My children, who are now like 21 and 16, you know, I was a Mm stay-at-home mum for them for 10 years, uh, got involved in their schools and everything. And um, I then started to retrain as a life coach. Um, I I knew that I wanted to get back to the workplace and didn't know what I wanted to do. Um, I knew full well I, I... basically by that point,
point, Daniel, I was unemployable. I mean, I, I hadn't been working for years, very independent, kind of doing my own thing from home with kids and family and travel. And uh, a friend of mine had said, you should train to be a life coach. I was kind of like, what, what is that? Because I was in Switzerland <laughs> and it wasn't very popular then. Right. Looked into this thing called life coaching and discovered that there was this, you know, A, I could be, you know, paid to speak to people, to help them achieve their goals, give mm-hmm. them advice. So I was like, well, I kind of would do that anyway. I mean, you know, that's that's sort of who I am. And um, I then, that started me on this journey to, you know, went back to the UK, trained originally as a life coach. And then in the next five years, I spent my time really dedicating myself to the profession, to the craft, uh, you know, skilling up in many different areas and going on multiple, multiple different courses. I had Mm -hmm. a big corporate program in, in Europe that I landed and I grew in terms of coaching and what happened was I was can I just can I just fill in some things here so first of all absolutely at your peak what were you what were you charging oh yeah great question at my peak in Europe I was charging let me just remember I think at my peak I was still on an hourly rate there and it was Mm -hmm. 300 euros an hour okay and when you started what were you charging um, twenty-five dollars in it. About the about right. twenty twenty-five Swiss francs. It's, and forgive me for mixing up the currencies because mm-hmm. at this point I was in multiple currencies, right. which is why I quote them like that. The reason I ask is because you know f- f- it's interesting. For first of all, a lot of people who listen, who are listening, uh, may want to go into coaching or are already in coaching. And and for those listening that are not in the coaching space, um, I kind of want to talk about price points as well, just because it's interesting how. You went from essentially charging 25 euros an hour to then, you know, 300 euros an hour. Um, what, it, how do you break through that kind of mental barrier that says, oh my goodness, how can I get away with charging three? I think it comes down to two things, actually. <clears throat> One is the fear of the fact that nobody's going to pay 300 euros an hour to get coaching. And two is... The guilt, like how how can I possibly charge that much? Yeah, there's so much to. I love this conversation because I'm asked this the whole time, mm-hmm. and uh, there were there were multiple steps. And as I say, there was an and and because I'm whilst I'm quoting you, kind of like the hourly rate there, it was actually way more than that because it was on a retainer basis, mm. um, and actually translated back then to I mean over I, I think probably about 150 thousand pounds a year. Right. So whilst we could break it down, it was as I say. It wasn't really actually quoted as an hourly as an hourly rate. But what enabled me to take those steps? Well, first and foremost, and it kind of links back to one of the questions you was you starting to allude to at the beginning of this conversation today, is I had been investing heavily in my professional development. I mean, tens of thousands of pounds and dollars. By this point, I was traveling to the States. I'd been uh, on a very advanced executive coaching program in Europe. So, I knew my craft. Um, 
I knew that I could really help people, you know, get profound shifts. So I was really, you know, owning, and let's say starting to own the value of what I was bringing from like a mindset perspective. Mm -hmm. And yes, I had a lot of training and credentials to back it up as well. It wasn't just me, you know, sort of with an overinflated ego. But then what happened is when I got this opportunity uh, with this, it was actually a major law firm. It was also the realization that when I stepped in there and I was working with the top of the top, you know, sort of corporate lawyers, mm-hmm. I knew full well that I had to present myself differently. Um, these are incredibly smart people. They don't tolerate fluff. They want results. They want you to be an intelligent and on the mm-hmm. ball. I mean, if you can't answer something in a, you know, in a sentence flat, you know, they'll turn their back on you and walk out the door because they just haven't got the time. Mm. And so it was a it was a place where I had to sort of seriously up level my act and really make sure that I was showing up as the professional and realizing as well that with that audience, if I had low pricing, they were just going to perceive me as lack of, as lack of quality. Hmm. Um, you know, these are people that are commanding, you know, some of them were commanding, you know, half a million dollars just in a bonus, you know, wow. not let alone their salary. Right. You know, they're really at the top of their game. So, you know, they needed to have that faith in me that when they were hiring me, I was the professional of sort of equal standing, that I could really hold my own. And of course, those prices, you know, would reflect that. Well, I really like that, Um, Vanessa, because what, what essentially you're saying here is that if you want high level clients, you've got to charge, you know, high fees like that. It's just it's as simple as that. Like if you want to attract the type of clients that, you know, are, are high level and, and high net worth, then you've got to charge that, that price, right? Absolutely. And I'm going to say there's an and, and, because I, again, kind of links back into that question of earlier. Yeah. There's a lot of people charging high prices, but they're not delivering on the back end. Correct. So, you know, are you professional? Are you highly responsive? Are you continuing to invest in yourself? I mean, these are really bright people that I was working with. You know, I had to continually make sure I was staying ahead of the game. You know, do your materials, uh, you know, speak to great branding and professionalism? I mean, it's like there's a whole package in there and are well, you really helping them to get to the results that they want to right. go to? So I'm really glad you brought that up because, and this is, comes back to my original question, which is do people really need success coaches or can they just coach themselves? And what I want you to do is, is, is just sort of take us inside your head when you got that, when you landed that gig, I'll call it, uh, with the, mm. the, the big law firm. Were you questioning yourself? Like, I'm dealing with people who are making a buttload of money. They're very, very smart. What do I know that can honestly, like, help them? Like, what value do I really bring to the table? Like, okay, it's very nice. I'm going to charge, you know, a, 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 a good rate so that they're going to say, okay, so she must be worth. But how do I back that up? And how do I know I'm going to provide the value that I can? So great question. And it, this was this was a massive learning curve for me. So I want to be really honest and transparent because it wasn't just a, oh, I'm just mm-hmm. going to do that and quickly sent over a proposal and, and it was a done deal. Uh, the truth is, Daniel, I knew that I had a great opportunity on my hands. I knew that I had an opportunity to skyrocket my business at the time to get a level of experience that I would could have taken me years or I may never have frankly had. So the opportunity for me was massive. And I was terrified. 
I mean, it's not even, I can't even say I was sort of <laughs> slightly anxious. I mean, I was terrified. I so wanted to not go. I mean, it, it ended up with me having to go and actually give a presentation to their top attorneys and, mm. and all the rest of it and fly up to the UK. And I, I would have given anything to have backed out because I really was scared. Mm-hmm. I was, you know, scared that they would, you know, kind of dig beneath the surface and find me to be flawed or, you know, the fake that really I was feeling at the time. Um, And so I had all of this, you know, internal struggle going on. And then one of the pieces that I came back to, which really, really helped me, it kind of might sound basic right now, but it was a piece I kept leaning into is, I know I'm a person of integrity, and I know I strive for high standards. And that's just a truth about who I am. Mm. And so I kept coming back to, I know that when my back's against the wall, I'll deliver. I'll just give it my best shot. I'm so resourceful. I know how to reach out for help. You know, I'm a smart enough woman. Um, You know, I I made sure that at the time I did have, you know, a coach. I also took on not only a coach at the time, I took on a supervisor as Mm -hmm. well because just because of my own inner journey that was going on. Um, I made sure that I was surrounded because frankly, had I not been surrounded, I would have talked myself out of it Um, or or, or seriously undersold what I was capable of doing. Right. So, you know, it was that it was that leaning into I know once I've said yes to this and they've said yes to me, I will have to step up and deliver. And that was really the faith that I, you know, stepped into when I finally kind of put my proposal in and, you know, sent it over to them. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot of, you know, it was a very, very steep learning curve. Um, and, you know, I didn't want to lose face. I I also, you know, had a sponsor that had taken me into the organization. And, uh, you know, I knew that he was trying to give me an opportunity that he was, you know, really wanted to give me that lucky break. So, again, I didn't want to let him down. I didn't want to let myself down, but I wasn't going to let him down. So, I kind of built up this sort of system around me, you know, mentally mm-hmm. and in practice, you know, people around me as well that meant that they, they were just nudging me forwards the whole time. And I have to say, my husband as well was a massive support. You know, he'd, you know, had a big career at that point, you know, knew how to influence, knew how to give great presentations and kind of step through those pieces with me. So, you know, back in those days, I mean, he was coaching me every step of the way as well. That's incredible. And so what made you decide to move to the U.S.? So, yeah, well, it was, um, you know, years later, I was, you know, still working with that law firm, which actually, you know, seriously grown the program. And uh, some changes internally meant that I was, it was no longer going to be my my contract. Hmm. But it also was at a point where I was already questioning what I was doing. I was, you know, working with these top performers to really make big, bold moves in their own life. They were setting up businesses in India, in Russia, in China. Hmm. They were just talking talking about amazing things that they were doing. And honestly, I had like a day where I went, wow, like what kind of a role model am I to them? How am I being integrity? Because I'm being this coach um, to coach other people to make these big, bold moves in their Mm -hmm. life. But I'm not doing that myself. Mm. And it just started this whole inner conversation around 
I'm ready for my next move. I want to do something exciting. I want to go on an adventure. I want to demonstrate, not just talk and coach people through, you know, making a big, bold move. I want to be an example of doing that. And, uh, that it was coming to the States. We'd been we'd been coming over as a family anyway. My husband is actually American, although he'd lived out, by this time, he'd lived out of the States for about 30 years. Um, we'd been coming over. I'd always felt great here. We'd spent a lot of time in California. And I just had this, you know, little voice in my head that kept saying, it's time to go to the States. It's time to go to the States. You know, that's, that's like where the next level is for you. Mm-hmm. And uh, with that, I mean, I you know, presented to my husband, the story goes, we were up in, we're actually up in Sedona in Arizona, traveling with the kids and taking them to see the Grand Canyon. And uh, I just shared with him at one night, um, you know, I said, I'm really just done. I'm done with the life that, you know, I'm living. Uh, There was a massive change happening in my business anyway, and I was already having to rebuild it over there in Europe. And I said, you know, the sparkle's gone out of it. Um, I I can see that if I stay on the track I'm on now, it feels like I'm actually going to be on this track for the next 40 years. Mm -hmm. And that's not what I signed up for. Um, and that's not the type of coaching I want to be doing. Mm-hmm. So you got to remember, Daniel, he was the guy, I mean, I'd said to you, he'd lived in Switzerland at the time when we met and one of our contracts getting married, in fact, the only contract he gave me getting married was don't ever ask me to leave Switzerland. Oh, no, you're kidding me. I know. It's like he just, that was his <laughs> no. passion. I know he loved, and I was like, oh no. But it wasn't, it wasn't, I, I want to leave you. It was like, sweetheart, I just love you to bits. You know, I mean, I love our family, but I'm hungry for more. And this life that we had then, although it looked idyllic on the outside, for me, I was, I was dying on the inside. I was, I was just feeling very constrained. It was very conservative for me. I, I'd just done what I'd wanted to do. Um, and I needed that next level. And as I say, I was probably, you know, early 40s at the time. And, uh, you know, as I think as any good woman should know, they need to present their, their sort of business case, you know, and yeah. be rational about it. <laughs> and then, but then present a good emotional story too. And by the time I'd finished that night, I actually had my husband on board to move. And we'd, we'd agreed it was going to be a three-year plan. And we got back to Europe, you know, just a matter of a few weeks later and started to announce to some friends that, you know, three years we were going to be making our way to the States. And it was coinciding with, you know, kids changing schools and my husband actually retiring from the UN. And I got back and I said, there's no way. I cannot wait three years. It's like, I've got permission now and I want mm-hmm. to go. Oh, my goodness. So, <laughs> I know. So, within – and that's why he didn't come with me initially because within 11 months of that decision being made, I had sold up everything – closed down my business, got my kids out of school, that she ended up living in a hotel for about five months because I managed to sell (laughs) our house so quickly. That that was another story. That's hilarious. And I made my way to the States and Robert stayed behind in Switzerland for nearly two years uh, to finish out his career so that I could come here and get us established and and build my business here. You are gutsy. I mean, that's... (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it because you know what you, you you had this like voice in your head that kept telling you that you were you were a hypocrite, right? How can I be telling you know? How can I be coaching people and telling them to chase their dreams? And meanwhile, I'm kind of like you know I'm not chasing mine. And then you went and you did it, and that's incredible. 
Yeah, it felt, I have to say, get at that time, it was, you know, it was, a, it was a little bit like, you know, akin to that stepping up in that business previously, um, you know, selling up everything. And my business by that time, by the way, was ramping up again, mm-hmm. you know, so we were, we were doing well, I'd got new corporate contracts. I mean, I was, you know, becoming known. So I did all of this when things were looking good. Right. You know, most people make changes when it's like they're down and out and they're kind of their backs against a wall. But with me, and I think that was the piece that actually required, um, for me personally, extra courage because I was in that place of, what if I screw it all up? You know, I'm happily married. I've got two kids, you know, we're pets, you know, (laughs) with a four bedroom house and a swimming pool. I mean, as you say, out on the outside, my life looked really, really good. Mm -hmm. And uh, people were telling me as well from the outside, you know, you're crazy. Like, what the heck are you up to? Uh, (laughs) You know, clearly they thought I was going through some sort of midlife crisis. Right. Um, and I think it takes, yeah, I do. I mean, I think it does take a lot of guts and courage to, you know, be on a track where it's really looking good, but to admit that this just isn't enough. You know, I, I really want more. I want more excitement, more fulfillment. Where does and that stop, Vanessa? Where does that stop? Because I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I posted today on Facebook. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. Um, but I posted about how I feel like I was born with like a double-edged sword in my hand. Mm. Yeah. On the one hand, on the one side of the sword, I'm highly creative, brilliantly analytical, super strategic, well thought out, intensely deep, incredibly driven, extremely passionate. Yet on the other side of the sword is a very deep hole. And because the hole is so deep, I I just don't get satisfaction from like superficial accomplishments or cute slogans or motivational quotes or, or mundane things or small goals. And I, I, I literally, I can have the most productive day and sometimes I can get like literally more done than most people do in, in, in a year. But then I'll wake up the next morning and I'll feel so empty. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting. So I know in my case, um, I, the emptiness was there previously. When I was in Europe, that was the piece that I was really battling with. Um, as you said, it was that, you know, doing a lot, looking productive, looking successful, and the right. emptiness was there. Um And at that time, I mean, that was linked to a few things. A, I wasn't entirely on the right track. I wasn't, I wasn't working with my peeps and building my tribe and my community. And I couldn't see the pathway, the the clear pathway to sort of like living the dream that I wanted to live. Um, And there was a sense of feeling unfulfilled. Whilst I've still got a ton of hunger inside of me, and I mean, I get out of bed every day, you know, knowing exactly what I'm going to do. We start the day with a power walk. So, I mean, all of that energy (laughs) is there. Um, I have to say now that that hole has been filled with, or at least partway filled with a real sense of fulfillment. I mean, Now, I really, really know that we're making a difference. We've got the evidence through all of our clients, the client stories, the transformations. I mean, the numbers that we're doing in the business, the people we're touching. And so, 
it's not that the more is there, Daniel. And I've, I think that some people have just got a, a hunger and a desire for more. And it's not necessarily to have more, but, you know, just to serve more, to constantly push ourselves to the next level. <clears throat> and I just, you know, I think that's a gift and I think that's an energy that we can use. For me personally, I've found that I really want to balance that out with celebrating those accomplishments along the way and really stopping to pause and looking at, you know, the wins that we're having and and just really savoring that so that we're building our more on a stronger foundation. Mm-hmm. Because certainly I was, you know, I'm a quick start. I, I'm keen to race ahead, you know, quickly move on. You know, that's me. I'll be quite pacey. <laughs> People can sit, hear it in the way I speak, even the way I walk. You know, I'm about the only power walker I know that can walk in a pair of Jimmy Choo's. <laughs> <laughs> um, but again, it's that just stopping, it's stopping long enough to literally smell the roses. And that's something that I've really start, built in a lot in probably about the last three years. And as I say, it, it feels internally um, that there's a much stronger foundation. Um, mm-hmm. And yet the desire is still there. That flame is burning even stronger, but it doesn't feel like an insatiable thirst or you know a hunger for something that I can't get because mm. I really do feel I really feel like I am doing the work that we're supposed to be doing how much do you charge now an hour well you don't even get me for an hour oh anymore, yeah so, I like that oh yeah <laughs> untouchable so, Exactly. I mean, I'm not available. I mean, if you were, sometimes we do do something um, for, you know, occasionally for people, like we call mm-hmm. it like a VIP power hour. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, a, you know, that's a thousand dollars flat fee. Wow. But, nice. Yeah, but essentially, I'm just not available by the hour because we have a highly leveraged business. And, um, you know, we have, again, we know that the sorts of transformations that we provide with our clients we can give them tactics and a quick strategy in an hour, but it's the it's the support, it's the accountability, it's the ongoing challenging themselves outside of the comfort zone, you know, as you mm-hmm. were saying about earlier on, um, and, and being in an environment where people will hold your feet to the fire as well. I mean, it's that over time that really creates a lasting transformation. Um, mm-hmm. And that's honestly what I want for my clients you were saying about you know other people coaching and can you be your other can you be your own success coach yeah honestly I'm really not convinced you can I'm very self-motivated you know I'm very driven I know more you know coaching tools and techniques and probably more qualifications than most yeah and Daniel I can still get royally in my own way (laughs) (laughs) And just being honest, you know, it's like, yeah. I mean, you know, it just all of a sudden there'll be a blur, something that seemed clear. All of a sudden it's like, what were we doing with that? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <laughs> all that fear comes up. So I really do believe in having that support and that clarity and that accountability. Um, but I really believe as well that it has to come from people that are in integrity, um, that have lived a similar, you know, they're, they're, they're further ahead on the path that you want to be on, for example. Mm. Um, and I don't know if I've got time for a big rant around business coaches, but it keeps, it's interesting that you were sort of asking the question today. Yeah. I've had a load of people asking me this question recently. So it's really circling around me. Well, you know why? About- I mean, because if you, all you got to do is go on Facebook or go online and you'll just see every Tom, Dick and Harry and Sarah are 
<laughs> are basically now you know coaching everybody like you know exactly it's, so it's re- it's yeah. crazy and you know how how you know honestly like how am i different i'm the real deal that's how i'm different okay that doesn't cut I- it for me though <laughs> of course it does and, and and again of course not it sort of sounds trite yeah. but you know we've got real results we are living what we are teaching mm-hmm. you know as a business coach one of you know our clients we were chatting about this the other day I have a real business I have employees you know I have payroll we've got real clients can we talk programs. about that for a second Vanessa because that's very interesting as well is that you went from solopreneur charging you know, 300 euros an hour. So, you know, you would only be able to make money while you were actually working. And then you transitioned into building a team, building a brand, building a company so that you're actually not just billing per hour, uh, but you're essentially making money. Like if you were to now go to Australia or travel the world for like, you know, two, three months, you'd be able to essentially, you know, still pay the bills and still bring in money coming in without you having to work, right? Yeah, I mean, not exactly without me having to work. And again, that's why I say I want to be real about this in our case. Um, But yes, and we are. We're actually just booked our tickets to Hong Kong and Australia. Ah. So we actually are going off for a month, (laughs) funnily enough. Right. And, And, you know, the business is set up in such a way that, yes, the money still keeps coming in. Um, I've got a team that works for me. We've put a lot of automation in place as well um, so that I'm not constantly, you know, working face-to-face with clients, having to do everything. Um, And I can choose to have, you know, great pockets of freedom and free time to travel, be in different time zones, and the business still works. Okay, so I want to really hit on that for a second because, you know, a lot of people listening to this are – solo entrepreneurs right solopreneurs they're working on their own and they're charging you know for their time um and i think one of the biggest uh, issues or, or obstacles with somebody going from being a solopreneur to actually running a company yeah is hiring that first person to really like do the things that you're used to doing. So you're a perfect example because you were the product, right? You you essentially mm. are the product, right? It's not like I chop trees for a living, right? And now I just go and hire Bob to also chop cheese, ch- chop trees, yeah? Um, yeah. All I need to do is basically give him an axe and say, "Hey Bob, you see that tree? Yeah, chop it." Okay, great. Now I get now I get a, a couple of you know more bobs, and I go, "Okay, now cut the trees." Now I've got you know. 20 people cutting trees and I'm just getting clients. So it's wonderful. However, when the product is you, and in your case, that's, it's a perfect example because you're the coach, you're the experience, you're the high energy, right? The think quick on your feet, the creative. How do you then clone yourself to hire somebody who you can trust with your clients that they're going to deliver the same value of service that you would? How do you do that? Yeah, so one of the things that we've done, again, which is a distinction compared to some other companies at the moment, is we actually haven't done, we haven't hired 
other coaches. Um, so okay. we've structured the business in such a way. Now, that's not to say um, that we won't be looking at that like an associate coach as one of our next hires because it sort of is on our on our docket, so to speak. Yep. But what we really looked at was how can we structure the programs in such a way that we've got, at this point in time, about three levels of program. And if people really want the one-on-one with me, we can do like VIP strategy days where they fly in, spend a day with us, and they really get that personalized attention so they can still get the one-on-one um in our group coaching programs we've just got multiple sort of touch points throughout the year where i'm teaching content and q a you know to a large group of people but then we come together three times a year We've, we've just come off one of them this weekend where we do our business intensive now this is everybody in a room with me up close and personal so you know again that they can feel like it's more personal and one-to-one because they can really get their questions answered and sort of coaching live at the event. Okay. So we've created, you know, group a group leveraged program, which is really, really working well. And then for those higher levels, you know, we have a program that's stellar. That's for people that are on the million dollar track. Um, mm-hmm. That group there, they get, they still do uh, private one-to-one sessions with me. So whilst we come together in sort of like a group mastermind, we've built in, you know, private coaching sessions with me. So what the way we've been able to structure it right now was looking at who are the clients that I, you know, the best clients for me to be really working with one-to-one that are the highest return on my energy and my investment mm-hmm. um, and where I can kind of do my best work and putting, so that's our sort of, you know, top tier for now. And then how do I take what I've been teaching for so many years and build a curriculum from it so that I can teach people that content in many different formats? So whether it's Mm. in a group sort of workshop style, whether it's in a one-to-one strategy day, you know, or frankly, whether it's just in a one-to-one sort of, you know, chunked out chunked down session okay so, so essentially really- essentially you're you're basically you've changed the format you haven't necessarily added uh people yeah, who work with you who you've trained to then go and coach which a lot of coaching programs they do that right you've got tony robbins and then you mm-hmm. you don't get you don't get you don't get tony but you get you know uh somebody else right who who he's basically trained and then you work with them you haven't set that up in that way you've basically just created group coaching instead of one-on-one and what we've done to support that is then we've got team around that so we've got client Mm -hmm. concierge we've got office managers you know people that do operations people that take care of the finance the tech so you know in a way what happened is all of those things before as you said when i was a the product but i was also like the chief coffee maker as well right Mm -hmm. (laughs) everything so all uh, many of those everything tasks now have roles assigned to them right right i hear and and so you are looking to eventually go into hiring people to then work for you and offer the coaching as well to others Absolutely. Absolutely. And it is, you know, that's, that's always a challenge. I think for a lot, you know, for a lot of companies is you are, when you are the product, um, you've definitely got to find somebody that is a fit, you know, a cultural fit that really, you know, buys into the program, the methodologies, because 
obviously those messages and that coaching needs to be, you know, very much aligned. Mm. Um, and, and I don't want to massively distance myself for the clients either. I mean, that's the piece I've been very conscious of. It's the work that I love doing. And whilst I love leading the company now as well, I always, always want to be very present to the coaching. Right. So after working with hundreds of entrepreneurs, what, what do you think are some of the most like common limitations that they have? What do you find yourself working with, with people? I mean, really and truly, one of the first places I'm always working with is is mindset. You know, a mindset can be, you know, simply just even a lack of clarity around, you know, the overall vision for their business. You know, they don't mm-hmm. even know where they want to be headed and they don't know. You know. It's really what do they want? It's answering that question. And even with what they know now, what do they want? What do they want the next 12 months to look like? Mm-hmm. What would success look like 12 months from now? So often those steps are around mindset mindset. And then from there, it's, you know, quickly goes back into, so if that's what you want, who do you need to be? We, we do a lot of coaching around how do you need to change your game? What does your inner dialogue need to sound like? You know, what's the emotional state that you really need to be living inside of? What's the new stories that you need to be creating? Mm-hmm. And, and just how how do you need to be showing up differently? You know, if you want to be at 100,000 at this year or a quarter of a million dollars, it's like, well, how does the $100,000 version of you show up? Right. Um, so that we're starting to create those shifts from the start. So I would say mindset is is always big but then you know mindset without the right model without the right business model or without the right strategies is just frankly is just self-awareness right so from there we've 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 got to switch into you know what does that really look like from a business perspective um what would be the strategies to get you there so we are always 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 in the business of helping our clients up level the quality of clients that they work with um, it's, it's just across the board. We're teaching them, you know, how to attract higher paying clients and really how to command those premium fees, yep. um, which will rapidly go back into some mindset challenges as well, because, sure. you know, then they get fearful that they'll lose everything or they won't be able to find those clients or you <laughs> know, who are they to get them. Yep. And then from there, it's, you know, it's, it's putting the right systems and structure in place. You know, if you want to, you know, attract those premium level clients, well, how do you screen out and, and speak, you know, speak to the clients that need to self-select out, the prospects that really need to self-select out? Mm. So, those are some of like the big rocks um, that we're always doing. And then we're all, and looking inside of that, of a lot of our clients are in that place of shifting from one to one to more leveraged and wanting to work with many. Um, so again, depending on where they're at in their business, we'll be helping them to build leverage and scalability. Cool. And so for those listening that want to take a look at your programs and what you're offering, um, where do they need to go to check that out? Yeah, best place to go is vanessashaw.com. Uh, you know, opt in there straight on the website because they, they can see our programs. They'll get lots of freebies, you know, webinars that we're hosting and uh, blogs and videos. And it's just it's just a great way to get started to even see, you know, if our if our philosophy resonates with you and uh, honestly get a, 
you know, great, some great free content just to get you started. Brilliant, brilliant. And if they want to get in touch with you on a personal level, if they just want to kind of follow what you're up to in your life, um, what are your social media um, um, names? And also, uh, is there a way they can contact you directly? Absolutely. So Vanessa Shaw, Business Growth Mentor on Facebook. Um, so, again, a Vanessa Shaw, Vin- Business Growth Mentor. Minter, yes. Brilliant. You'll okay. find me there on Facebook. And uh, if you really, you know, today want to just, you know, get on a quick call and frankly have a chat, I'm really open to that. Just a quick 15 minute brainstorming chat about where you're at and where you want to go. Mm. Then just drop an email straight into concierge at vanessashaw.com and we'll make that happen. Very cool. So those will all be in the show notes. So for those of you that want to check that out, just go to danielgeffen.com forward slash 85. That's danielgeffen.com forward slash 85. And you can uh, check out all the resources, the links, um, and to find out more about Vanessa Shaw. Vanessa, thank you so much for letting me pick your brain today. And thank you to all my fellow brain pickers. I'm looking forward to the day when I'll be picking your brain. You've been listening to the Can I Pick Your Brain podcast. Inspiration without perspiration is like a tiger without teeth. So to put these ideas into action, head over to danielgeffen.com.